Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. Well, I'm focusing on two specific people in history who've been really largely regarded as having displayed supernatural abilities, everything ranging from healing, mediumship, manipulating matter, making material objects out of the immaterial, and even defying death, Holly. Cool. Uh, the first is the famous occultist and co-founder of the Theosophical Society, Madame Blavatsky. Wow. And the second is the very famous mystic healer Rasputin. Two very controversial individuals who have remarkably had just as many staunch believers in their abilities as those who outright claim they are con artists and, at the very least, magicians whose stories have been highly exaggerated. Okay. First off, Madame Helena Petrovna Blavatsky. Wow. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Yeah, it is. Was but born... it's yours, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> At least, you know, I'm not doing initials, right? Yeah. Who was born in 1831 and died in 1891. Helena was born into a wealthy Russian-German family who lived in the Ukraine. She developed her interest in the occult when she claimed to have discovered, while visiting the home of her former great-grandfather, a library filled with books on esoteric philosophy, theology, and occult subjects. Cool. Her great-grandfather, Prince Dolgorukov, was <laughs> an initiated mason and was also rumored to belong to other secret societies like the Rosicrucians. And the head of the vampire clan that lived yes. in the woods nearby. Yeah. So it, it sounds like it makes me think of and no, vampires. I, know. I love it because it's the start of every great movie where she finds these old books right. that yes. have secret languages <laughs> and secret spells oh, in them. Yeah. Um, and she was an avid learner, and the family encouraged her interest in reading she developed a passion for storytelling, languages, art, music. She actually became quite the accomplished pianist. All talents to win a man in those days, <laughs> so they said. Um, she was you go, girl. Yeah. She was very expressive and told her family that she was being followed by invisible entities. She called them her little hunchbacks. And she believed that she could charm animals to sleep with her voice. Well, I do that. <laughs> That's not a superpower. The family often moved around to different areas, and even though she came from the upper class, it was said she preferred the company of the lower class kids and servants, one being her horse trainer from Tibet. She started to tell people that she was being visited by an Indian prince called Moria, who communicated to her in her dreams and would appear to her through astral projection. She eventually said on one of her trips when she was older that she actually met Moria, while visiting London and immediately recognized him from her childhood dreams. He encouraged her to pursue a spiritual journey and told her to go to Tibet. Her love of the occult led her to travel, supposedly for many years, to the regions of Tibet, the Middle East, and Egypt. Others who have tried to track her travels during that period of time 
say that was all bullshit, and she just worked at a circus, gave birth to an illegitimate kid, and lived in Paris during the years she supposedly traveled. That's probably more realistic, right? That she was part of a carnival? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's a carny. She's a carny. Yeah. Of course she was. She claimed that she developed psychic abilities, the ability to manifest items from thin air, astral project, and many other paranormal abilities, including mediumship. She claimed to have reached the mythical city of Shambhala in the Himalayas, where she was taught many things from ascended masters, including Count of St. Germain. There are many stories of her profound abilities and witnesses to her unusual gifts. A.P. Sinnott, a journalist at that time, was highly interested in her powers and observed that when the monks wished to communicate with her in a meditative state, an airy little bell would ring out and was audible to not only Blavatsky, but anyone within the area around her. She would then excuse herself to a quiet place to receive their communication. Her travels also took her to New York, where she met Colonel Henry Alcott, a lawyer who took interest in investigating the occult. The two of them became fast friends and business associates, publishing a magazine called The Theosophist and drew thousands of followers all over the world. Blavatsky also authored several novels and claimed it was as if the information was downloaded into her head. Her friend and companion Alcott said once during the writing of her book Isis Unveiled, Alcott called out Madame Blavatsky on a passage he thought she misquoted by another author. Blavatsky did not have a copy for reference, so she called it to her, and the novel materialized out of thin air allowing them both to check the accuracy of the quotation just long enough before it then evaporated away. Hmm. How cool is that? You could just have a library in the air and just be like, (laughs) give me that book. One time, there was a cold snowstorm in New York, and they were still working on the book when Alcott wished for some grapes with dinner. Don't you always wish for grapes for dinner? That's not what I usually wish for. Frequently I do because... Grapes are wines. Well, yeah, yeah. When they too. squish down, <laughs> do you do you make your own at home? Like get no. them in a vat and just get the the I love Lucy. I think that should be on my bucket list, though. Stepping in a vat and squishing grapes. That would be kind of fun. that would be really fun. Yeah, Blavatsky also agreed that would be so nice. But since all the stores were closed and buying grapes in that season would just be impossible, they just were like, ah, oh, that would be nice, you know. A few minutes later, though, after this conversation, she instructed him to adjust the gas light lower over the work table. As he tried to do that, the lamp went out. And just after he was able to get it relit, Blavatsky showed him two large branches of ripe Hamburg grapes sitting on her bookshelf. Boom. She claimed it was nature spirits called elementals, and she had them under her control and they had produced the grapes for them. How handy is that? Sounds shady to me. You know, I think that's pretty cool. I have these little creatures. They're called Smurfs. Yeah. And they live outside and they brought the grapes Yeah. Yeah. They're her little elves, basically. Mm, Okay. Well, where else would she get the grapes? (laughs) I don't know. know. Is it all smoke and mirrors? Perhaps. It might. Maybe she went to the store earlier knowing that he would want grapes because maybe he's a big fan of grapes. So she's just put them in her refrigerator. Didn't set him out with dinner. Maybe she forgot. He brings it up and she's like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. I forgot the grapes. 
quick, adjust the lamp, please. She pulls the plug on the lamp. Oh, wait, it's an oil lamp. I don't know how she did it, but somehow she did it. She made the light go out, and then, bam, she went over to the refrigerator really quick, put out the grapes on the bookshelf. God, that's exhausting. You All know, just for a con? I think that's too complicated. I think they're not real grapes. I think they're decorations. And they've been no, they had years, grapes, and he just never knows. No, them. he ate them, so they ate them, and they were delicious. Mm. Okay, I love that story. Thank you. <laughs> One of the other stories I really like is when Madame Blavatsky oh. and Colonel Alcott spent six weeks in the town of Simla. Don't ask me where that is. I have no idea. Sounds made up. It's in Europe somewhere. <laughs> From early September to mid October, eighteen eighty. They were invited by the journalist, Mr. Sennett, and his wife, who resided there for the summer. Mm -hmm. She also met Mr. Hume, a British government official who was stationed there with his wife. In Simla, Blavatsky performed numerous phenomena to impress the couple and their friends. Because, you know, everybody's like, do tricks, do tricks. One afternoon, the group was on their way to have a picnic when they met a district judge, Syed Mahmood, who they also invited to join them. But to their dismay, it left them without an extra teacup and saucer. Oh my, because we must all have tea. <laughs> <laughs> what would a picnic be like without tea, Holly? I don't know. I'm an American. It would I don't be even quite bleak. <laughs> we can't have that. No, we shan't. Blavatsky announced that once they got there, they would find the extra teacup and saucer by the roots of a nearby tree. After digging into the hard soil by the tree, they not only uncovered the teacup and saucer, but remarkably, it matched the others they had brought with them. Wow, that's convenient. Yeah, it's a matching set. Yeah. So not only if they had yellow teacups and they dug up a blue teacup, it'd be like, well, you're you supposed to be like ooing and awing right now. I this is so cool <laughs> that they dug up a teacup and saucer and it matched the set that I'm, they had. I'm very impressed. I mean, it's so cool. <laughs> and like these people, I mean, I don't know. It's not like she was just dragging around a bunch of like stragglers on the street. These were reputable people. Who were following her and kind of believed in her abilities. I think they were skeptics, right? So they wanted her to prove it. Mm, okay. Yeah. Like the judge, the attorney, like, listen, like these people are, like, you know, highbrow sure, people. Uh -huh. Yeah. They're highbrow well, people. Could she, I mean, I want to play the skeptic here for a minute. Could she have buried a teacup? Earlier in the like, day? Yeah. She could, I guess. I, I don't know how she could plan on inviting an extra person who then they would have the excuse of needing that. You know, it just seems to, like, how would you account for all of that? You just run into somebody new on the street and invite them with you and then be like, oh, I luckily foresaw that. And so I went out in the middle of the night and buried a teacup <laughs> and saucer for me to find I later. Don't I don't know. I'm just, I don't okay, know. Okay, here's another I'm one for like you. I'm just like poking holes Oh, I got more. I got more, Holly. I got more. <laughs> Once at a dinner party, Blavatsky inquired to Mrs. Hume if there was anything she would like to have that would be difficult to find, but not treasured for just material possession. Hmm. So something sentimental, right? Okay. Okay. Mrs. Hume said that she had always been sad about losing her mother's brooch that she gave to her and would love to have it back. Blavatsky asked Mrs. Hume to visualize in great detail the brooch and draw a basic sketch of it. After Mrs. Hume did this, Blavatsky then wrapped a coin in two cigarette papers she had in her pocket. 
She said that evening that the papers had disappeared, and that meant they would then find the lost brooch in the garden in a star-shaped flower bed. Huh. All the dinner guests went into the garden to help search for the brooch, and nestled in the flower bed mentioned was the lost jewel wrapped in the two cigarette papers. Senate, the Humes, and Alcott were not the type to easily be convinced or taken in by con artists, and they swore at the time that what they witnessed was authentic. The idea is mind-boggling, but not entirely incredible. In the ancient mystery schools of both East and West, it is an accepted teaching that thoughts are things. There is no real distinction between what is thought of and what is objective reality. Both are one. So perhaps she has the ability to think of an object and materialize it. One of the abilities she was most fascinated by was um, levitation. Yeah. And that's one that I think would be be really fun to have. Sure. She claimed that she was taught an ancient lost language called Sinzar, and that she was also given briefly a magic manuscript called the Sacred Secret Sciences, which would help her develop a working philosophy on how the afterlife and the universe worked and all paranormal phenomenon. It is her belief that levitation is possible because we are essentially magnets that carry energy and polar attraction to the earth which is also magnetized to our spiritual and physical bodies. Cool. Okay. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't say that she ever achieved levitation, but mm. it was one power that she really admired. Okay. And she saw other, like, spiritual leaders do that on yeah. her travels. Well, I've seen those YouTube videos before where you see people that are levitating yeah. above the ground, and you're like, yeah, it's probably a visual effect. Right. Yeah. I found some other notable people who uh, were able to levitate that I thought was pretty credible. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, The story of St. Joseph of Cupertino stated that the monk was first rejected by the Franciscan order due to his lack of education, but even as a child, he was overcome with fits of ecstasy, and this ecstasy would help him levitate. Hmm. But it would also cause him to drop whatever he was carrying at the moment and get Hmm. him completely distracted from even the most basic of tasks. You definitely don't want him as a babysitter. (laughs) He eventually was able to find another monastery who took him in, and it would be witnessed by many that he would stand fixed like a statue, and people could stick him with pins or burn him with candles, and nothing would make him move. One day in 1630, St. Joseph, in the middle of a procession, suddenly floated up into the sky where he stayed suspended over a huge crowd. Many times he would float up during worship service at Mass, floating out to kiss the cross. And one time he did this in front of the Pope. It was said the Catholic Church was embarrassed because he would always shriek dramatically before levitating, and his outbursts interrupted Mass so often that they eventually banned him from worshiping in public, and he had to be moved from various monasteries. Wow. He also was highly encouraged to eat all his meals in private. So, because he was so excited about what he was eating. Yeah. So, no, because every time he would have his fit, it was just such a display of emotion. Do you think it was Tourette's? It, it sounds like he would like scream and like get so overcome with passion that it, it almost sounds like almost like a seizure or, or Tourette's. Tourette's. I'm thinking he had Tourette's. Mm hmm. Another saint known for his levitation abilities was St. Gerard Magella, or Mahela, 
He was known for many supernatural powers, including raising the dead. He was able to multiply bread and wheat by prayer over it. And, of course, levitating. So that sounds like Jesus shit. It does. You it raise sounds, the bed and multiple... Yeah. What's interesting is when you read a lot about supernatural powers, a lot of them have the same miracles that Jesus did. Yeah. A lot of them can, you know, could multiply he, bread. Could he help the cops solve crime? <laughs> no, I don't think so. See, Nancy Weber, man. Better I know. than Jesus. Your story's better. I agree. <laughs> You're better. You're number one. You're number one. Uh, number one. How does it make you feel? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but no, but that's interesting, though, that a lot of paranormal abilities are very similar to what Jesus could do. I know. Yeah. He made it a habit of floating up in relaxation and hanging out in corners. But he was very humble. and like once. Yeah. And once he floated up at the dinner table and told the priest he was not sure how long he would be suspended and they should just start eating without him. Isn't that nice? So, yeah, it doesn't sound like true levitating. They had control over their powers. It just happened. It just like happened. he has a supernatural Tourette syndrome where the Tourette's causes him to float. Yeah, and he's like, I don't know how long I'm going to be up here, so just go ahead and eat without me. pretty funny. Yeah, and people would witness him traveling by skipping up into the air like a feather in the wind, crossing miles quickly by floating along. That would be so fun. You know, in lucid dreams, I would always dream that I was flying, and I'd tell people, hey, look at me, I'm flying. And they'd, like, look at me in the dream going, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, you're floating up there. That's pretty cool. Like, they would just look at me like I was a freak. And I was like, look at me. I'm floating. I'm flying. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a dream world. That is a dream world. Yeah. Uh, Madame Blavatsky felt like you could achieve levitation in two different ways. The conscious process and then the subconscious. She talks about, you know, the magnets, experiencing the repulsion and attraction properties And she states that those are not magical laws. It is a common occurrence that takes place in nature. She said the human body is comprised of negative ions. And if there is a change to that polarity in that charge, we can then have a different relationship with the earth magnet. And essentially, gravity will become non-existent. Hmm. She claims it is dependent on our will and our vibrational state. So vibrational states can explain why somebody in an ecstatic, emotional, joyful state could could literally be buoyant. Right, right, Um, right. That makes sense. Yeah, and she also said in meditation, both sleepwalking and hypnosis states seem to diminish the body's weight, according to nervous disease studies. Oh, really? I never knew that. She also quotes a Professor Purdy who was treating a patient for sleepwalking and found that during her episodes, she could walk on water. Wow. Cool. So, more Jesus miracles. Yeah, yeah. Spiritual ecstasies also seem to allow this effect. It is interesting how many yogis claim to have this ability. So, perhaps there might be something to this theory. There's also a really great podcast out there called Our Fake History. And the host covers in-depth Madame Blavatsky's life and supernatural abilities in a series of three episodes, doing a really good job as a skeptic of her work. You would really like it, Holly, since you're (laughs) such a skeptic. I'm a skeptic tonight. I'm sorry. It's okay. I also suggest reading some of her books, like The Secret Doctrine, 
because regardless of her controversial beliefs and theories, it can't be denied that she's had a tremendous influence on Western esotericism and the New Age movement. Now, let us move on to another monk with amazing powers. Rasputin. Rasputin. Grigory Yafimovich Rasputin. <laughs> Born in Siberia in 1869, grew up in Russia. Do you like my selection of choices here? We got one from Ukraine, one from Russia. Oh, interesting. I wonder why you I'm bringing those. in the supernatural battles of powers. <laughs> he grew up in Russia and in his early childhood displayed supernatural powers. But even though supernatural powers might be the gifts of the gods, he was also considered a loser, drunk, and horse thief. There was no integrity in him, as he decided to hightail it out of town to escape punishment and left his wife and four kids behind to seek refuge Asshole. in the Verkjotieri Monastery. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Others think, though, this was not the case. They think he ran away because he had a vision, which was the source of his religious passion. So, you know, there, nobody really knows the true story. Hmm. Rasputin seems to have joined the Klist religion, which was rejected by most Christian orders due to its extreme services of self-flagellation. <laughs> Jeez. Causing, so many doors are open right now. Right. Causing poor health and physical exhaustion. And this sect, S-E-C-T, <laughs> was also rumored to encourage sinning in a very scandalous way. So he basically started in a big orgy, big sex exactly. club. Exactly. Yeah, this was like. this was a sex club orgy. Ab absolutely. Um, and they encourage this sinning so then the monk can then seek repetition of forgiveness. Hmm. So it's just like this endless cycle of beating themselves in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, he became a religious mystic and started gaining a following of believers when he traveled to St. Petersburg, where he was seen healing a man and having the gift of prophecy. He also was a wanderer to many other holy sites, like he did pilgrimages to all these different sites and became a vegetarian. I like him already. However, it was found he never took his final vows to officially become a monk. So some think that means he never fully embraced the beliefs of that order no because if you become a monk you can't have sex with all the people so so that's why he never fully yeah well what, how are you supposed subscribe to, to that cult if you're telling everybody you're a monk? no this particular clist um monkery monastery was okay with all that oh they were into it i guess okay. that's what they thought huh all right well maybe i don't know i don't know my history that well but that's kind of what i read about that okay. they kind of Encourage sinning so then you could, I mean, they didn't actually come out and condone it, but if you did happen to engage in it, they were all for forgiving you. Okay. Because they so were. No rules here. No, so no basically rules. modern day Catholicism yeah. <laughs> where, you know, forgiveness is for everyone. Yay. Yay. Soon news spread of his mystic powers and the royal family of St. Petersburg was a big fan of the occult and magic. It was said Rasputin healed the dog of a relative of the Russian Tsar Nicholas II. In 1905, Rasputin was given an introduction to the Empress Alexandra Fyodorovna. 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 <laughs> Fyodorovna. Because her son, the heir to the throne, was dying from hemophilia. 
You know what that is, right? That's that bleeding disorder. Yeah. Yeah. It was said he knew exactly what to do and her son was healed. According to one Dr. Fedorov, who was formerly treating the boy, said, quote, Rasputin would come in, walk up to the boy, look at him, and spit. The bleeding would stop shortly after, end quote. Wow. This is astonishing because historians think Rasputin had no formal education. He was practically illiterate and no medical background. Rasputin's influence over Alexandra was such that he soon became her personal advisor. Wow. Yeah. He was also employed to be the lamplighter of all sacred places at the palace, which gave him enormous access and the ability to spy and overhear conversations. Hmm. Rasputin's fame brought him big enemies, and when Rasputin returned to his old village in Siberia, trouble greeted him. An old prostitute tried to attack him, and he was rushed off to surgery where it was thought he was going to die. You gave and, me scabies. I know, and the prostitute declared she killed the Antichrist, but he did surprisingly recover from that knife attack. Again, he was also attacked by another enemy, this time with an axe, and he survived that attempt as well. Another enemy, who was a fellow monk called Mitya the Blessed, tried to attack Rasputin, tearing apart his flesh with his own hands. Jeez. Monsters. Monsters. His enemies felt he had too much power and should not be allowed that much influence over the decisions of the country. It was rumored he could control the minds of people and was involved in sex magic, having a sordid affair with the Tsar's wife, Alexandra. Mm, I bet he did. Other rumors said he was plotting an overthrow with the Germans, starting a cholera outbreak with imported Canadian apples. Well, have you had a Canadian apple? <laughs> no. I'm telling you. <laughs> Those things are brutal. Cholera? They'll break your teeth. Shit. They're like frozen apples. Canada, I don't know how you deal with it. But anyway. <laughs> the Tsar's cousin and a group of nobles led by Felix Yusupov, prince and husband of the Tsar's cousin, plotted to kill him and invited Rasputin to his palace, saying it was at the request of Felix's wife, Princess Irina, who is desperate to meet him. I bet you are. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I already does sex magic. Alexander told me all about you, oh, yeah. Rasputin. I saw all about it on Facebook. So they lured him to the palace. Rasputin was served cakes and red wine laced with poison, and according to one of the nobles, they had made sure the dosage was high enough to kill five men. Jeez. Rasputin was not in the slightest affected besides some loud belching despite eating all the cakes and two glasses of the poisoned wine. Wow. Could hold his liquor and his cake. Yes. This infuriated the prince, who was relentless in pursuing his death. And so he pulled out a revolver and shot him two times in the back. Really? But seeing that he was shot, he turned around to confront his attacker, and this time he was shot in the forehead. Rasputin, to their surprise, survived all of the... Jeez. (laughs) So his paranormal ability was you couldn't kill him. (laughs) He had a lot of paranormal abilities. Yeah, but that was one... I know, that's another one. Rasputin, to their surprise, survived and ran out of the palace, but he didn't get very far and fell in the snow courtyard and proclaimed his death was nigh. So he's a prophet, too. (laughs) I think I might die this time. (laughs) Yeah. They waited for him to die, but it wasn't soon enough, so they got out their clubs and clubbed him. Sure. And then 
not knowing that he was not dead yet, they <laughs> wrapped him up in his body in a carpet. And just to make double sure he was dead, they threw it in the icy Nevka River. Awesome. The coroner who examined the body once it was pulled out of the river said he had died from drowning, but was alive when he was thrown into oh, the water. Yeah. He did not make any comment regarding the poison in his body. But there was also a slice wound to his left side and many, many injuries. Some later accounts said his penis was also removed. Oh. So you do remember this story. Oh, no, I don't. Oh, okay. But that's pretty funny. I though. thought you would have remembered. It was no. a sex magic. Mm. Yeah. Other accounts said there was no water found in his lungs, and he was dead before he was thrown in the water. So we're not sure about the exact truth on how it all went down, mm. but... He had survived several death attempts. Yeah. I mean, that was a lot That's to kill lot. him. Yeah. Eerily, before he died, though, he wrote to the czar saying, quote, If I am killed by common men, you and your children will rule for centuries to come. If I am killed by one of your own stock, you and your family will be killed by the Russian people. Oh. And he was correct. Yep. Fifteen months later, yep. the entire czar family dead I including his wife yep all his children yep assassinated goodbye during the russian revolution yep goodbye yep now there's been some thoughts that mystics can lower or raise their acid and alkaline blood levels naturally in their body you know the ph level okay if rasputin was able to do this feat by making his body more alkaline perhaps he was able to neutralize the poison of the cyanide to mm. where it didn't affect him yeah some even say that Rasputin might have a medical condition called a chloridria. A chloridria? Thank you. Where the stomach cannot produce hydrochloric acid. Huh. And it was this condition that made him survive the cyanide poisoning. It was also thought that Rasputin somehow knew that aspirin would lead to a thinning of the blood. And if he had just stopped the doctors from administering this medicine, the boy would naturally heal. But the whole story is crazy to me. And those who gave accounts of him describe his gaze as unnerving, hypnotic, and intense. They even called him a holy devil. The severed penis, which was rumored to have been found by some lady and measured 12 inches in... in uh, Whoa. In, yeah, in length. Now that is a superpower. That is, my goodness, 12 it, inches. Yes, it was kept until it surfaced in Paris as a group of Russian aristocrats used it as a sex amulet. Yeah, but they did. I think they used it, period. I don't think I don't think it needed to be an amulet. What I think it was just, penis? you know. Where'd it go? Well, Rasputin's daughter heard about this and demanded they return the penis to her, Detective where she kept it in a safe place until her death in 1977. That's so sweet of her daughter Would being... Would you want your father's penis? Well, I'd be like, I was born of this penis, so, you know, you can't just abuse my dad's penis. I think I'd let it go. <laughs> I don't think I'd want my dad's penis, but I also wouldn't want it to be abused by other people. I think this is the teaser, Josh. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I really want my dad's no, because I don't know how. I don't, I don't know how people do abuse it. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, this was disturbing. something about that. I'm like, this I sounds like. I want my like... father's penis, and I can't just use it as a sex amulet anymore. <laughs> just. Seems I think like she just was sense. like, this is sacred. Like, he wouldn't want his penis. He was a spiritual man. 
shouldn't be getting off on his penis like that, even though it was 12 inches. Holly. I would think uh, 12 <laughs> inches. I would think of that magic. Rasputin is dead and he doesn't give a fuck about that penis anymore. That would be my thought. And I don't think it was his mesmerizing eyes that controlled women. I think it was <laughs> the sex amulet. 12 inches of love. 12 inches of love. <laughs> now, she kept it in a safe place until her death in 1977. And we don't know what happened to it because when his daughter died and they tried to auction off the penis, it turned out to be just a petrified sea cucumber. <laughs> Son of a... Madame Helena Petrova. Ah! Yeah, go suck for you. Madame. <laughs> <laughs> Don't curse me, Holly. Don't curse me. <laughs> Occult subjects. I'm going to say it again because that sentence, I didn't quite, I didn't write that very well. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. Okay. <laughs> Publishing a magazine called The Theosophist. Is that right? The Theosophist? Sure. Theosophist. Theosophist. I don't know. Huh. Fuck. It's still beautiful. Just like Nancy. You've got great powers. I believe in you. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sorry, Josh, we're really loopy. Um, Okay. Knowing, knowing. Why do I hear scratching noises? Sorry. Oh my God, I thought you had rats in your house. (laughs) I was like, what the hell? Mrs. Hume said that she had always been sad about losing her mother's brooch. Brooch? Brooch. Brooch. It's a brooch. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Hume said that she had always been... uh, Mrs. Hume said that she had always been sad about losing her mother's brooch. Did I say it? I think so. Yeah. I'm going to say it one more time. Okay. Uh, Okay. Mrs. Hume said that she had always been... Mrs. Hume said that she... Mrs. Hume... (laughs) You're you're going down the rabbit hole pretty fast. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm holding it together. Mrs. Hume said that she had always been sad about losing her mother's brooch. <laughs> no, no, that didn't sound right. Not... <laughs> <laughs> brooch, brooch, okay. brooch, 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 like brooch, brooch, but with a bee. brooch, like itch but with a bitch. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> like in my story. Okay. Mrs. Hume said that she had always been sad about losing her mother's <laughs> I can't freaking do it now. Because now I want to say hooch. That does it for us, Mother's guys. hooch. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Good night. Carol is out to lunch. He, uh, where am I? Um, so, yeah, he did all the shit that Jesus did. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really tired. I'd just be worried, like, if I had the ability to levitate like that and Mm -hmm. I'm outside, what if I go so high that I go up into space and then gravity doesn't suck me back to the earth? I just float up away like a balloon. (laughs) I would not want to levitate unless I was inside. And then... What happens if you have no control over it and you leave your house and you have to go somewhere and it starts to happen? You'd have to tie yourself to something so that you didn't fly away. Yeah. These are deep thoughts. Could <laughs> you? With your story. But if you're flying away, there's always something you grab onto, isn't there? Is there? I think what if so. There's no another trees? bird. Grab another bird up there. Be like, hey, bird, 
And what I if need there are help. no trees? There's no bird? Like, what do you, I mean, that's a There's sky. a plane. Do you know how many planes <laughs> fly by all the time? sucked into the engine. <laughs> we well, that's true, it. but you wouldn't be in space. You're going to be in space. You're going to get up there, and all of a sudden, you're going to be like, shit. You're going to burn up before yeah. you get into you're, space. Yeah, though. you're going to die. No, levitation is not a skill I would want. Okay, you just killed my <laughs> love sorry. for levitation. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Holly. I just was oh thinking my God. about it, and I was like, huh, maybe that would be scary. Sex. Not sex. 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 No, sex. get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> sex. But it was rejected by most Christian sex. S-E-C-T-S. Okay, um, he was rejected. Rasputin seemed to have joined the Clist religion, which was rejected by most Christians. My dog is going to have their teeth cleaned. I tried using water pick once and I almost took my eyeball out with it. Rasputin's <laughs> Rasputin. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.